Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Good morning. Got to have this, man. All right, stand with me. Hold your Bibles up high. Come on. Come on, come on. Wow. It's like doing the wave. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I will never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, I want to say happy Father's Day to all the daddies here. And uh, we're starting a, a new little thing. This, this is called the best of the best. And just kind of taking some of this, the thoughts uh, every week, praying and just taking a thought or a sermon and looking and saying, what do I want to talk about versus committing to a series because it's summertime. And uh, oftentimes people are not consistent because of vacations and other things. So rather than entering into a series that if you miss one, you kind of miss an episode, if you will. Uh, But today I'm talking about making us expectant. Uh, In other words, we all have expectations. And uh, sometimes those expectations are legitimate. Um, some of those expectations are not legitimate. In other words, if, if I say, so, you know, I expect you to change, well, that's not a legitimate expectation because I can't change you. So if I have an expectation that you, you should change, I'm probably going to be disappointed most of my life. So I'm trying to create what I call holy expectations, expectations that, that we can pray about. That we, and you can certainly pray that somebody will change. But oftentimes when I'm praying and expecting someone else to change, God says, really, you need to change. And uh, if you change what you're expecting in them, you don't need anymore because you've adjusted and you've changed uh, that you can handle their stupid, I mean the person. And so anyway... Uh, for, for you guys, uh, I, I've always been a sports fan, and I've kind of wandered away from that over the years because of how political it has become, and uh, we have enough politics without athletics. And so I've kind of wandered from that. But there's one coach that has kind of, in, in today's coaching era, that has stood out to me is Coach Mike Tomlin uh, for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's, he's, he's no frills. He's got standards. He has convictions. Uh, he, he's just a great coach, but more than that, I, I've never met him, but everything I've read about him, he seems to be a really great person. And so he was talking to his team, uh, and I was watching this, and I thought, you know, I'm just going to show this. It's just a few minutes, but he's talking about expectations. And can you imagine being the coach of an NFL team, NBA team, any team, when a lot of these athletes barely made it through high school, barely made it through college, and now all of a sudden at 22 they sign a, you know, a gazillion-dollar contract, and, and you're making about a tenth, if, if you're lucky, of what they're making as a coach, you're making that. And you've got to inspire these guys to, to play at, at an extremely high level when they have guaranteed money. 
So my respect for these coaches is, is very high, even the ones who aren't like Mike Tomlin, for trying to get guys to do what they need to do to make the money they're making. So um, anyway, I, I thought we'd just – I may cut this off, so pay very close attention on the video. I just wanted you to hear some of, uh, of his pep talk uh, to his team. Man, in the growth and development of this thing, man, I'm talking to you about norms, expectations, mindsets – mindsets that you should have. And it's always good to acknowledge reasonable expectations. I expect you to get better in all areas, man, whether it's the, the knowledge relative to what it is that you do, the maintenance and the preparation of your body, the understanding of the game, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You need to continually be a guy on the rise. That is a reasonable expectation, as opposed to just coming in here putting in time. What do I mean by that? I mean the things that made you viable in the past aren't going to be the things that make you viable moving forward. You better be continually getting better as long as you're sitting in rooms like this. I ain't doing my job if I'm not pointing that out. You guys that have been here and know what it's about, man, we expect you to be significantly better. Hear the words. You were a young guy, man, we might have tolerated mental errors a year ago. We'll have less tolerance for it moving forward. It's just a reasonable expectation. And so let's just be really transparent, man, about expectations in this business, about how competitive it is. I never want you worrying about people on the outside, even the man sitting next to you. This is a man versus himself battle. You got to be continually pressing to get better with that understanding that this is a highly competitive line of work that we're in. That's good stuff right there. The, the thing that struck me, well, there were several things, no, reasonable expectations, number one. Number two, what made you viable in the past may not make you viable in the future or viable now. And a lot of times we have, we're stuck in, in expectations of the past things that, that, that we, we've dealt with but we've really not dealt with because we're still hanging on to them. And so if you expect to be closer to God, are you expecting God to do something different or are you going to take responsibility and you begin to do something different? People say, well, why doesn't God speak to me? Maybe because you're not listening. Or he is speaking and you're not listening. So you have this expectation of God to take care of your marriage, take care of your job, to provide certain things for you. That's your expectation. If you're expecting God to forgive you, you're expecting God to give to you. And you have these expectations that, let me say this, are unreasonable if you're not putting in the time to obey what he said to do to experience those things. I expect God to, to give to me. Well, what are you giving to him? I expect God to provide financially. What are you doing with your finances? I expect God to forgive me. Are you forgiving other people? You see, we can't ask God to do something that he's expecting us to do. And, and yet many people see God as a butler or a servant to our needs. When we get born again, all of a sudden God begins to open heaven. God does not open heaven when you get born again. God opens heaven when you bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Doesn't mean God doesn't love you. Doesn't mean God's not present. Doesn't mean any of those things. But you have unreasonable expectations of God because you're not 
being reasonably responsible to obey God. And so I want us to be expectant, but I want us to have right and reasonable expectations. People say, well, I want to get closer to God. Well, are you praying? Are you spending time? Are you meditating? Are you reading the word? Are you going to church? I expect God to do something. Well, you know what? God's saying, well, you put yourself in a position to have that expectation, then that expectation can be met. But if all you're doing is expecting me to do everything for you and you're not willing to do what I've told you to do, then stop expecting. That's unreasonable. Be like saying, I'm expecting to lose weight this year. What are you doing to meet that expectation? Yeah, I, I'm just going to meddle a little bit on Father's Day. We need to understand that our expectations have to have a biblical foundation. So, you can turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 9, the greatest book in the Bible. <laughs> Jesus is coming down the mountain, and he gets there. In verse 14, it says, When they came to the other disciples, because he took three to the mountaintop with him, they saw a large crowd around them, and the teachers of the law arguing with the disciples that were at the base of the mountain. So there's this debate going on, and Jesus always created these situations because he was so, uh, he was so Jesus. I don't know how else to put it that he was always a topic of conversation. And it says, as soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about, he asked. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son, who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. Verse 19. Oh, unbelieving generation, Jesus replied. So he doesn't excuse them. In fact, he points out the problem with their expectation. They had unbelief. So the disciples, even though they hung out with Jesus and, and they had this expectation, something was misguided and unreasonable. It says, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? Now, the cool thing here is Jesus doesn't get riled at all. He continues to have a conversation while this kid's all over the place. It's like, it'd be like most of you know, freaking out. Do something, do something. Jesus said, hey, now how long has it been this way? From childhood, he answered. It's often thrown him into the fire and to the water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. Verse 23 if you can, said Jesus, Jesus had some cool. Everything is possible for him who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Now, what was Jesus looking for? Belief. 
Simple belief. He's just looking for a belief. And, and obviously, the, the nine disciples who remained did not have it. And this guy says, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. So his, he's building a platform for expectation that Jesus can take care of this son. It was a reasonable. Now, if the guy said, you know, I have a hard time. I've heard about you, but I've had a hard time with this. He has an expectation without faith. So when we pray, and I'll get to this in a moment, we need to exercise faith in our expectation. And then we also need to exercise obedience if we're going to expect anything. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the evil spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And, of course, it happened, as so much so that they thought the boy was dead after the spirits left. Now, the father had an expectation that if he brought his son to the disciples, in this case, he was probably hoping Jesus would be there, but he thought, these guys hang out with him, and I have an expectation that if I can get to him, something good can possibly happen. And he says, I do believe, but... He also acknowledged there's some unbelief in my life, and I need to address that. Now, let's go to James chapter 1, verse 5. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and this is how the New Living Translation, he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But, but, that, that just turns everything. He won't rebuke you for asking. If you lack wisdom, come and ask God. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything that they do. So when we pray with expectation, we have to be sure that we have removed the possibility. Now, please follow me here. How often have we prayed, but at the end of the prayer, we go, it's probably not going to happen. You have divided loyalty in believing in a, a system, a world system that would agree with you that something good may not happen. Instead of saying, I don't care what the world system says, I don't care what it looks like, I'm going to believe God. And so we have to present to God in faith what we're expecting. Psalm 5.3, listen to my voice in the morning, Lord. In other words, the psalmist is praying, Lord, listen to me when I pray. Please listen to me. Each morning, I bring my request to you and wait expectantly. How many times have we let go of something that we prayed about, we believed for, we, 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 but all of a sudden it just begins to fade. We, we give in, we give out, we give way to doubt, and, and we get lazy in, in addressing 
our expectations. Every now and then I find myself for a week, two weeks, I, I'm standing for something, I'm believing for something, and then a, a day goes by and I don't, and then three days go by, and then all of a sudden I realize I've dropped the ball. I, God wants me to wait expectantly, to, to be looking to him intently, not losing my focus, not being distracted by the things I don't have and the things that don't really matter, and, and I lose it. And so it's, it's very easy in a world that is so rapidly moving through social media and, and just everything is moving so fast that if we don't remove ourselves from what's moving, there's a really good chance that our minds will be get, begin to get distracted by all the things going on around us instead of the promise that's going on within us. Wait expectantly. Don't just wait irritably. Wait expectantly. I can't believe God hadn't done this yet. That's not waiting expecting. That's waiting irritably. I can't believe this hasn't happened. I can't believe God would do it for somebody else and not for me. I can't believe somebody else has already got what I've been praying for. You know, I, I, I've talked, I talk to pastors all the time from all over the place. And consistently, I, I find the, the, the different responses to pre-pandemic, post-pandemic, how people are now versus how people were in, in, in late 2019, early 2020. It, it, it's an exhausting conversation, but it has to be a conversation for us to, to say, you know, what did we expect pre-pandemic that we're not expecting now? Why did so many people lose their minds and decide to make changes during a crisis? Number one, never make change during a crisis. Never make decisions during a crisis. Never make decisions during a storm. And yet many people just, their expectation of church, their expectation of fellowship, and all those things began to just wane because of a pandemic. And I don't know what the church is going to do in upcoming years, but there is a prediction right now in 2025 that there's being manufactured, and they're jokingly saying this, but it's another respiratory virus that was supposed to be released in 2025. So I'm already, I'm already gearing up and going, okay, God, how do we address what they're predicting is going to happen? What's the church going to, are we going to crater? Or are we going to, what are we going to expect in this situation? I'm expecting a miracle. I'm expecting exposure. I'm expecting evil to be stepped on. I'm expecting God to do something. And I, I try not to politicize, but the reality is when, whenever there's devastation, it's difficult to operate with expectation because your mind and your focus is on the devastation of what's going on. And so our expectation goes on a shelf while we're addressing the devastation. We need to say, God, with every devastating thing I hear, my expector is getting stronger. In the midst of a famine, I'm going to believe for food. And so we're, 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 it's no longer life as usual, normal, whatever that looks like. We have to increase our expectation. So you ask yourself the question first, is what I'm expecting right? Does it line up with the Bible? Am I doing everything I'm supposed to do to make this expectation become a reality? 
So if I want to live a life of peace, what do I do? I go to, I go to Isaiah 26.3. It says, he will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are stayed on him because they trust in him. So if I'm not having peace, it's not an absence of God. God's always with He said He's everywhere. He's all the time. And so if I'm not experiencing peace and I expect to have peace, I'm not going to look to God and say, where's my peace? God's going to say, is your mind on me? Because I promised you if you'll keep your mind on me, I will keep peace in you. So I can have an expectation of peace if I don't allow my mind to go rogue. I can have joy. Where's my joy, God? I, I know everything bad's happening. He said, in my presence is fullness of joy. So if I don't, I'm not experiencing joy and I expect joy because God said I could have joy, what am I doing to, to get that, make that expectation a reality? Am I staying in his presence or am I sur surrendering? And I'm not, please don't get me wrong, but here's what I'm saying. There are places that you will go that you will find no joy and you will find no peace. It's not that God's not with you. It's just that you're not where you need to be. I've decided in my life as I've gotten older, there are things I can't do that I used to do. And it's not because it's sin. It just doesn't feed my spirit the way it needs to feed my spirit. If it's not feeding my spirit and it's not enhancing my walk with God, then, and I'm not, and listen, you may be able to go someplace I can't go. See, what we tend to do is think if God tells me not to do something, that means nobody else should. That's not the case. We all have this different individual journey that God allows some people. Some people actually like crowds. I don't like crowds. And if somebody says, well, you're just a fuddy-duddy, say, no, crowds don't minister to me. Now, when I say crowds, I mean, I love church because we're honoring God. But if I go to a crowded place that's not honoring God, it doesn't mean they're dishonoring God. It, not at all. It just may mean that they're being entertained and they're having a good time. I'm, that doesn't work for me. So what I used to think was if I, didn't, if, if, if I didn't do it and told somebody, you know, I'm really not into crowds, they go, oh, what's wrong with you? Because what they want me to do is they want me to go their way and do what they do for fear that now maybe they're doing something wrong. See, not everything is right or wrong. Some things, some people would eat meat sacrificed to idols in the Bible and some couldn't. And you didn't criticize the one who couldn't or criticize the one who could. You just knew that there was a difference in your life. So what happens is it, for me to keep my expector operational, I have to make sure I'm in, in the place that God wants me to be. So if you're working somewhere and you say, man, I'm expecting my boss to change, or if there's a change in bosses, you're expecting things to get different. No, no. You have to expect that you can change to meet whatever you need to meet, to do whatever you need to do, to live the life you need to live. Even if you have a horrible boss, my expectation is that God's going to take care of me. My expectation isn't that the idiot's going to change. <laughs> because what God may be saying is, that idiot is helping you become more like me. Look at the idiots Jesus had to deal with in the Bible. He didn't go around saying, God, they don't believe. They don't like me. They want to crucify me. God changed them. God said, no, no. You're going to be who I called you to be. You're going to do what I called you to do. And you're going to expect what I told you I would do to happen. And unless you die and rise from the dead, everybody's lost. 
So Jesus could have said, I expect them not to kill me. But no, Jesus said, I expect that after they kill me, I will rise from the dead. His expectation was greater than... So most of us are expecting God to deliver us from the cross instead of raise us from the dead. Everybody's going to have a cross to bear. And if you bear the cross righteously, the cross will produce in you what God wants produced in you. Don't ask him to get rid of the cross. Ask him for the strength to carry it. Don't ask him to get rid of the boss. Ask him for the strength to deal with him. Don't ask God to change your spouse and change your house. Say, God, help me to deal with both. You can be happy in hell. Jesus went down there and delivered it, but he didn't go, well, I'm going to hell right now. It's going to be terrible. He said, no, I'm delivering captives. If you're going to hell, you're going through hell. If you're a believer, you may feel like you're in hell, but let me tell you, all you got to do is reveal the character and nature of God by rising above the crisis. I want us to be able to expect God to change us individually. Strengthen me. God, give me peace in the middle of chaos. Strength in the middle of weakness. Faith in the middle of crisis. We're in a battle like never before. We are in a war like never before. And I'm not trying to be an old Pentecostal preacher. What I'm trying to tell you right now is God in us is greater than everything that's going on in the world around us. I expect God to deliver me from evil. And I hope you're having that same. But here's the deal. I have, if I'm going to expect it, i got to position myself for it. In other words, God deliver me from evil, but I'm getting ready to go have a pate. I'm doing my own thing. No, God, I want to do your thing. Here's where it begins. Exploring future possibilities. Exploring beyond what you're comfortable with. My little brother, I talked to him last night. We grew up very strict, religious, assembly of God. Not there's anything wrong with assembly of God, but there may have been with the one we went to. <laughs> you know, if you had a smile on your face Sunday morning, you probably did something wrong on Saturday night. You know, we, 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 we were a bunch of sour people. Maybe you went to church and you had to get your weep on. And I'm not, a, I'm not against people who, who have weepy eyes. I'm not. But for us, that was the expectation. And I'm thinking, well, why would I cry? I want to come into his presence with joy. And so... My little brother was bringing it up last night. And, and, and so we were, we were not taught to explore all the biblical possibilities and nature of God. We, we had that already boxed up in the name of our denomination. It was in a box. And, and that's what you got. And, and that's how you were supposed to live. And that's what you were supposed to expect. I had no idea because everybody in my church was poor. And so that was kind of their thing was if you're rich, you're probably a sinner. I've come to find out it's quite the opposite. 
I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, it's like people, I, I found people obeying God. And I don't mean that wrong. I'm just saying I don't mind either one, but don't criticize someone for their blessing or success. Go ask them how they got there. Because I'm telling you, anybody that came in wealthy in our church was automatically judged. And this may be foreign to some of you, but it was real to me. And I thought, well, if I ever have success in life, it's probably because I did something wrong. Instead of doing something right. And so what we do is we don't, we, we don't begin to explore. And, I, and our, our particular church talked poorly about other denominations and other churches. And, and so you're sitting there and you're listening to this. And, and you buy into it without exploring the biblical foundation of it. And when I began to explore outside the lines of what I was brought, in, brought up in, that people began to think I was lost for going to a charismatic church. Well, those people just there just name it and claim it. Well, you shamed it and blamed it. <laughs> I'm thinking, I, you know, so my expectation of ever believing God for anything outside of just whatever happened to me, que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. We had a Doris Day theology. You just kind of wake up and whatever happened, it must have been meant to be. And I, I didn't realize I could play a role in the future of my life. I could play a role in that. I just thought, I thought everything in the kingdom was just random, that any expectation of God doing something outside of what I'd ever seen was not going to happen. And, and all of a sudden, I began to get hungry to explore a different way of, of, of thinking. And that, that Christianity was more than just a, you know, a lottery that God looks down from heaven and goes, I think I'll bless you and I think I'll bless them, but not you. You're an idiot. And I, I, but I'll let you come to heaven, but while you're on earth, nothing good's ever going to happen. And, and, and that was what I believed. I just thought, well, you know, what do I expect? I, I just, I, I could hardly even expect to go to heaven because, you know, if, if you made us, if you sinned on Monday and you didn't repent until Sunday, if you died in between there, hey, you know, You know, if you weren't wailing at the altar on Sunday, you probably, you know, you're just a sinner. You're lost because everybody needs to be wailing because you sin between Sundays. And if you don't have a Wednesday night service, God help us, you have to do something. So, I mean, I couldn't even expect to go to heaven because I knew that I wasn't all that in a bag of chips. I, I would literally every night go to God, God, please, if I die, I want to go to heaven. Can you imagine what God, God's up there going, wow, he really doesn't get it. What can I do to get through to the crow? Well, what I had to do to get the crow on the go was to grow. And I realized I could find problems without even trying. This is where you know people are trouble when they're critical and they're always finding problems and they're always gossiping. Those people are miserable people. They're not bad people. They're just miserable people. I tell people, no, you're not a bad person. You're just miserable. And, and some of y'all are around those people and it gets off on you and your expector dies. You, you expected to have a great day and then you run into a, an Eeyore. And then you sit and have coffee with an Eeyore. If you can't turn that conversation, you have my permission to just look and say, you're an Eeyore, I'm out. You need to go visit Tigger. 
because there are a lot of Christians out there that just like, woe is me. It's, you know, it's really going to get worse before it gets better. Let me just tell you all something. Better is resident in us. No matter what's going on around us, we don't have to crater to it. I expect every day for God to do something. And when somebody gets negative, people get mad at me because I won't let somebody have a negative conversation. I said, well, you know, I start turning it around. They go, well, you're just Mr. Optimist. I said, let me tell you, I lived as a pessimist too long. I have a new expectation that I'm going from glory to glory and the path of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn shining ever brighter till the full light of day. It's going to get better and better, bigger and bitter, brighter and brighter. And right now you may be in a dim place, but you don't have to make it your place. Don't camp in a place and say, this is the way we've always done it. This is where we've always been. My first exposure to this was probably 1993. was the very first that exposure to this. that A, a guy, when I was coming to Oklahoma City to start a church, uh, had a, uh, a Cadillac, a real pretty Cadillac. And it wasn't anything fabulous, but it was pretty sexy compared to what I was used to driving. And so he wanted to give it to me. Well, I was telling my dad, and my dad kind of looked and said, well, you really need that? And all of a sudden, I said, well, Dad, and this just came out. I said, Dad, life's not about everything that we need. God's not opposed to what you want. You see, sometimes we look around and say, well, you don't really need that. Somebody needs it worse more than you. But somebody who needs it more than me, they may not be doing what they need to do to get what I'm getting. See, this is why we get mad when somebody gets blessed. It's because probably either God gave it to them just to deal with your business. Maybe they didn't deserve it, but God knows the only way to get your attention is to give it to somebody you don't like. I love it when God does that. You don't even like them, and you know they're stupid as a rock, and God gives them something. And, and sometimes God will do that. Just get your attention and go, really? You're going to be critical instead of get happy for them? Get happy when people are blessed. Quit being critical and bitter and say, what can I do to expect what you've got? Put yourself in a position for your expectations to become a reality. And that requires exploring outside of your little comfort zone. When I began to get outside my little denomination and I, I started going to other places because I was searching, man. I, I was searching. I, I, wanted, I wanted to find I wasn't happy. And you, you, you say, well, you're saved. You ought to be happy. No, I'm happy to be saved. But the devil wants you to just be happy being saved. That's why he loves it when you go, well, at least I'm going to heaven. No, no, let me tell you, when you really tick off hell, it's when you start bringing heaven to earth. When you start bringing heaven into your home. When you start bringing heaven into your life. When you start bringing heaven into what you're doing. God, let it be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's my expectation. Wow. Wow. Jesus said pray this way. He didn't even tell a disciple to tell somebody. When it's in red, it's what he said. And so when he said it, you can expect it. But you sometimes have to do what he says, and that's sometimes you go, I don't want to carry the cross. 
I don't want to take up my cross. I want it easy. I want to be in a lazy boy. I don't want God to serve me. And God's saying, you position yourself for what you're expecting. I kind of close with this. There was an old preacher named R.W. Shambach. The man could preach the wallpaper off a wall. And I'll never forget, he said, one night, a young man came up and said, Brother Shambach, would you pray for me? He said, what, can, what do you need, son? I need a job. Brother Shambach said, okay, I'll pray for you. God, I pray for this young man that you would give him a hard job in the heat, in the sun, where he has to sweat. And the young man said, stop, 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 stop. He said, you just asked me to pray for a job. You didn't tell me what kind. See, you got to bring what you expect to God specifically. Don't pray for a job. Pray for the job. God, here's what I want. I'm laying it out. And so religious people say, you shouldn't do that. You ought to just be for grateful for whatever God throws your way. That's like eating scraps. Quit being so religious and pious that you just pray these general prayers because you don't want to hurt God's feelings. Like you're going to let God down. I got news for you. You're not the one holding him up. I want you to start expecting and believing, but I want you to also look in the Bible and build the foundation, biblical foundation for your expectation. God, I want people to like me. Well, why don't you start liking people? <laughs> nobody talked to me. Why don't you start talking to people? People leave the church when nobody said hi to me when I came in. Well, why don't you say hi to somebody? Why'd you put the onus on the church to be Jesus Jr.? When you walk in, go greet somebody. Hey, how you doing? What's going on? They might think you're on drugs. You might bring the church back to life. I don't know. But we, we complain about things. Instead of expecting somebody else to do for you what God put in you to do, to get what you want, then you be the one to do it. You want a friend? Show yourself friendly. You want to be loved? Show yourself loving. You want to be wealthy? Show yourself giving. I'm just going to get up in your business right now. And you can leave mad if you want to, but God will wake you up at midnight and say the preacher was right. I expect things. Now, if I looked at this auditorium today, you'd say, man, my expector could easily be broken. But let me tell you something. What I see is an auditorium filled with people every time we open the doors. And that expectation is not going to change. And I'm going to be at the throne of God tapping on his feet saying, get her done. We're doing everything we can do. Now do what you can do. I will not die in an easy chair, folks. Let me tell you something. I found out a friend of mine retired, and I said, what's he going to do? Wake up every morning for what? I can't even imagine waking up. Well, what are you going to do today? Don't know. Dear God. 
you got to have something you're expecting God to do. you got to have some kind. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. What are you expecting? What are you having faith for? What are you believing for? What are you pressing toward? Get on board here. Well, you know, I went to church today, and he didn't preach what I like. Give me a break. <laughs> Music this, the children's ministry that. Go to the church of mourning. God, all y'all have a great time weeping, complaining, whining, gossiping, criticizing everything and everybody. You're never going to be happy. You have to choose. Every day you have to choose. Things happen. Bad things happen to good people. Good things happen to bad people. Quit trying to figure it out. Just keep expecting God to do what God does. And never quit. Never give up. Never give out. And never give in. I guess I ought to say thank you, Winston Churchill. I love that line. Against all odds, he expected to win, and he did. He never gave up. Some of y'all quit. Some of you've given up. Some of you laid down. Some of you have tossed it to the wind and said, whatever will be. No, don't do that. Every now and then, about every six months or so, maybe, I get a, a, this, like, just something that is attacking me. And usually mine's on Facebook. Yours is probably not the blessed of being a pastor, a failing pastor, a pastor who failed, whatever. And I just look and go, you know what? I'm not going to stand before you when time ends. And when I, I'm going to stand before Jesus, and he's going to look at me and say, son, proud of you for getting up, staying in the fight, enter in, and I hope that person's right behind me, and I'll go, hmm. I mean, I won't probably because Jesus will be right there, but I want to. I say, Jesus, forgive me. I, I really can. Can I just do this one little thing? No, I actually, I have my iPhone. I say, Jesus, can we do a selfie together? You see, I've discovered, and in the process, I'm going to be a learner. I haven't just learned. I'm learning to continue to grow in this, this faith that the world calls optimism. I call it faith. I call it expectation. My expector is going to get stronger and stronger and stronger, and we will not lose. I promise you what the world looks like now will not look this way when all of it's finally done. God will be glorified, and all who stand with him and stand for him will be glorified with him. So we're not bowing our knee to anything but the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and his name is Jesus. Father, we thank you today for all that you are. In the midst of all that we're not, you remain all that you are. And if we'll surrender all that we're not, we'll have all that you are. So today, God, we set our hearts and minds to surrender to you. All the absentee things in our soul, all the things that are missing, Lord, we open the door to our hearts and say, God, fill those areas, those cavities in our soul that are empty, that, that have lost faith and lost hope and lost expectation. 
Fill those cavities, God, so that, so that we can thrive and press and believe and continue forward in what you've created for us to do and who you've created us to be. With every head bowed, every eye closed, and those of you watching online, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Expect God to cleanse your soul. He said, if you call on the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. That means God will come in and he will, he will make his home in your life. Set up his home in your heart. I want us all to pray this and everyone in here pray this with me right now. Say, Father God, thank you so much for loving me so much that you gave your only son to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I repent of my sin and I declare today I'm born again. I expect great things from you. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I want to ask you to do me a favor and text the word SAVED to 405-500-1310. And in just a moment, those of you who that prayed that prayer in-house, I want to ask you to meet one of our prayer team members over to my left and tell them, today I got saved. I'm expecting God to do new things in my life because I've obeyed God and I've repented of my sin. And when you do that, you can expect great things from God. That's just the beginning. But do it right now. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. or join us online. God bless you.